Welcome in to episode 34 of College Sports Today on WLRZ 99.3 FM, as well as on LRN News. You can find this show on Spotify, as well as at rss.com and therhinian.com, the official student publication of Lenore Ryan University. I am your host, Hamilton Neal. Glad to be joining you again this week, as we again have plenty to talk about when it comes to college sports. Now, today we're talking exclusively about college basketball, and we'll start things off with our Recruits in Focus segment. There, we're going to take a look at some of the top freshmen in men's college basketball for the 2022-23 season. We'll take a break and then enter our second segment, where I will reveal my 2022-2023 men's college basketball preseason top 10 teams. We'll have a full breakdown and analysis of that coming up just a little bit later. But again, first, we start with our Recruits in Focus segment where we take a look at my top five freshmen in men's college basketball for 2022. Again, we are talking top freshmen in men's college basketball for 2022. And the purpose of this top five ranking that I've put together is really to show you guys who the best of the best young players are, who the elite of the elite are. And the rankings that we're going to refer to throughout this segment come from 247 Sports. And here on College Sports Today, when we're talking about men's college basketball recruiting in particular, we are referring to the 247 Sports rankings for whatever class it might be. Now, on the women's side of things, we refer to ESPN because they are the top outlet and one of very few on that side. But here, we are referring to the 247sports.com rankings. And obviously, there is the ESPN 100. Their whole outlet is very good as well, led by Paul Biancardi, their recruiting director. Obviously, there's Rivals.com. We love those sources as well, and we use those occasionally, but we use 247 Sports predominantly. So the rankings that you're going to hear are from them. So again, coming in at my number one spot is Derek Lively II. He's ranked number one overall and number one at the center position in the class. He is signed with the Duke Blue Devils. Also signed with Duke is Derek Whitehead, ranked second overall, number one at the small forward spot. Coming in at number three is Keontae George. He's ranked sixth overall and number two at the combo guard position. He is signed with the Baylor Bears. Now, number four is Kyle Filipowski. He's ranked fourth overall, number two at the center position. He, like Lively and Whitehead, signed with Duke. And coming in at number five is Nick Smith. He's ranked third overall and number one at the combo guard position. He is signed with the Arkansas Razorbacks. So again, it's Derek Lively, Derek Whitehead, Keontae George, Kyle Filipowski, and Nick Smith. Those are my top five freshmen in men's college basketball for this upcoming season. And what we're going to do now is break down their games, talk about all five of them at length and what they bring to the table and what they're going to bring to these teams. So again, let's start with Derek Lively, the second, at number one. No question about it, he is the best player in the class of 2022. Consensusly, he has been viewed as the best of the best, and I am not arguing with that at all. He's at seven foot one, 220 pounds at the center position. 
And the thing that you notice when you watch film of him and you break down these scouting reports is that he works just as hard on the defensive end as he does on the offensive end. He displays great instincts and timing while protecting the rim. He's a great rebounder, runs the floor with effort, he's good in the pick and roll game, and he's productive as an interior scorer. So those are just some of the main points that I want to hit on here. Again, works just as hard defensively as he does offensively. And when he's on the defensive end, when he's protecting the rim, even though he's not the most physical guy in the world, he has the size of seven foot one. And I think he's only going to get bigger and stronger as he gets into the Duke conditioning program. And as John Shire brings him in, he's only going to get stronger. But right now he has the length and the intangibles to get things done. Again, great instincts and timing. And becoming a great defensive player isn't just about your size and your length. It's about developing the instincts. And a lot of it's about timing. And he's a very good shot blocker, very good rim protector. Duke is going to be able to rely on him to always protect the rim and clean the glass. Now, when you look at what he does as a rebounder and running the floor, again, offensively and defensively, he rebounds very, very consistently. Runs the floor with effort, like I said. He's very quick for seven foot one, 220 pounds, has a good burst, a good first step, and he's very good in the pick and roll game. He's gonna work with the guards. He's gonna make sure that they get done what they need to get done, and as the roller, He's going to get a lot of passes, a lot of opportunities for easy dunks. And again, he's not the most versatile guy right now as far as stepping out, hitting jump shots, but he's very productive as an interior scorer, can get some position there in the post, and I love what he brings to the table. Again, from top to bottom, from A to Z, he is the best player in the 2022 class. Now, right behind him is Dariq Whitehead, also signed with Duke. Again, as I said, number two overall in the class, number one at the small forward spot. And he's very unique at the small forward spot because at 6'6", 190, he's extremely athletic and he loves to attack the rim. And something you see from a lot of small forwards nowadays is they're falling in love with the three-point shot. And they're really starting to do that first before putting their head down and getting to the rim. But the thing I love about Dariq Whitehead is that he gets to the rim first. He's an inside-out kind of player. But he has a great pull-up jumper He's very consistent from the mid-range and from the three-point line. So he is a true three-level scorer, and I think he's at his best when he's driving and shooting to his left, and he has a lot of defensive potential as well. He's not as polished on that side of the basketball yet, but I think that's going to come with time. When he gets into the Duke program, obviously, he's going to be asked to play a lot of defense, but offensively, he has a complete package. And I have really been a big fan of him, even from... His early days as a freshman, as a sophomore, he's really grown over time, and I think he's going to be a huge, huge asset to that Duke program and really has the makings of an NBA lottery pick, just like Derek Lively does. And again, with that three-level ability, he's going to be very, very smooth, consistent small forward for them. Really the prototypical modern-day small forward you want to see in 2022. So again, that is what you can expect from Tariq Whitehead, one of the best players overall in this class of 2022, again, ranked number two overall going to have a very, very big impact on that Duke team. And a guy that's going to have a very big impact on the Baylor Bears is Keontae George. Again, he's ranked sixth overall, number two at the combo guard spot. And I still feel like he's slightly underranked in this class. And you can't really be too underranked when you're number six in the country. But I really do feel that he's a top five player overall. Because when you watch him at 6'4", 185 pounds, 
the thing that really jumps out right away is that he has great body control for a guard. Now, in addition to that, he's developing as a finisher, and he's very consistent shooting the jump shot from the mid-range and from the three-point line. He is a true three-level scorer, and he finds his spots, and he's decisive. He's a very, very mature basketball player, has a high basketball IQ, super smart, and those are the type of players that Scott Drew wants to put out on the floor. So I expect him to get early playing time at Baylor, obviously not just because of his lofty ranking, but because of his high basketball IQ, because of his smarts. He is that true prototypical college two guard. And again, he's listed as a combo guard. So yes, he can play some point, but I do think he's best off the ball where he can display his three-point shooting, which is exquisite, and where he can display his ability to move and cut without the basketball, which is very consistent as well. Now going over to Kyle Filipowski, who again is ranked fourth overall, number two at the center spot. He is one of the best here in this class as well and could easily be ranked two or three, but I think he's very accurately ranked here at four. He's at six foot 11, 230 pounds, is a very, very physical post presence. He displays great length, great athleticism. He's a consistent lob threat and works great as a screen and roll big. And again, this is something that we talked about with Derek Lively, his Duke teammate. He works very well as a pick and roll big. Filipowski does the same thing maybe even better than Lively does it. And off those rolls, again, he gets easy dunks, gets some easy layups, and he's a great passer for his size. I think this is the most underrated part about Kyle Filipowski's game, is he has some vision there at 6'11". And that's something that you don't see every day from big men. You don't see them displaying that ability to find the open man and whip a pass in there. Now, I think at the college level, he's going to be doing less of this than he did in high school. Because if you're a top overall recruit and you're the best player on your team by far, you can do anything you want to do. You can play inside. You can play outside. Some guys play one through five at the high school level. But again, he's going to be playing primarily on the inside at Duke. So I think he's going to be doing less of this and more pick and roll, screen and roll action. Duke, obviously, they play with a lot of ball screen stuff motion offense like we talked about with Baylor and again it's predicated on moving the basketball and that's going to be up to the guards not to Kyle Filipowski but again he can do some of that and I love what their backcourt has with guys like Jeremy Roach coming back with Tyrese Proctor who reclassed we talked about that on last week's show obviously with Mark Mitchell Derek Whitehead the small forward spots some of the transfers they have coming in this is just a very complete Duke basketball team and John Shire is going to have plenty of options And he's going to have options, not just inside, but again, like I said, outside. So love the addition as well of Kyle Filipowski to the Duke program. And now let's finish up by talking about Nick Smith. Again, he's ranked third overall, number one at the combo guard spot in the class. And again, as I said at the top, he signed with Arkansas. Now, when you watch him on film at 6'4", 185, you see some of the same things that we talked about with Keontae George. He is long and athletic. He can shoot the basketball from three, from mid-range as well true three-level scorer, but he's also a very, very gifted playmaker. And this is something that he's developed over the years. The ability to pass the basketball. The ability to find the open man. And again, like we talked about with Filipowski, he can do this in the half court and in transition. But passing is going to be a lot more common for him than it is for Kyle because Nick is playing in the backcourt. He's playing combo guard, so he's playing point part-time 
and shooting guard part-time. So when you play the one and the two, you got to have the ability to do everything well. And I think he is the most complete combo guard in that he plays point part-time and shooting part-time, but he can do it all at 100%. Now, the reason I had Keontae George ranked slightly ahead was because of how shooting the basketball nowadays in the sport is so, so important. And again, thanks to the Golden State Warriors, that is what basketball is all about. It's pace and space. It's about moving the basketball and finding that guy who can hit the three. And Keontae George can do that just, I think, slightly better than Nick Smith. But Nick Smith, I think, is the better player overall as far as distributing and being that true combo guard. I think Keontae George is much more a shooting guard than he is a point guard. And I think Nick Smith is really a true combination. So I love what he's going to bring there to Arkansas. And again, those are the top five men's college basketball freshmen for 2022. And with that, that's all the time we have for Recruits in Focus. And we're now going to take a break here on the show. And when we come back, we will reveal the College Sports Today men's college basketball preseason top 10. Stay tuned. You're listening to College Sports Today on WLRZ 99.3 FM and LRN News. We'll be right back. Welcome back in to episode 34 of College Sports Today. Again, coming to you on 99.3 WLRZ, as well as online at therhinian.com, rss.com, and Spotify. We are now heading into the second segment of our show, where we begin our previewing of the 2022-2023 men's college basketball season. And to do this, we are revealing the first edition of the College Sports Today men's college basketball preseason top 10. Again, the college basketball season is not starting until early November, but that doesn't mean we can't preview. It is not too early at all to be talking about the top teams in the country and what you can expect from them. Now, something that I want to point out to you guys is the preseason top 25 poll from the Associated Press is not going to be coming out until late October or so. And for me, that's just too long to wait. So I had to put out my own rankings here. And again, at some point, over the next couple of months, we may put out a full top 25, but right now we're just starting with the top 10 and give you a look at the best of the best in the country. So again, let's start at the number one spot where I have the North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina returns every rotational player on their roster except for Brady Manick, and some of those returnees include Caleb Love, RJ Davis, Leaky Black, and Armando Baycott. Now, along with these returning players, 
they've added Northwestern transfer Pete Nance. He was an all-Big Ten player there. This past year averaged 14.6 points and 6.5 rebounds per game while shooting 45.2% from three. That's the number I want you guys to keep in your mind. 45.2% from three. When he's going out there on the perimeter, he's comfortable shooting the three. And he's a true stretch four guy. And that is going to be a huge, huge plus for North Carolina. Because he brings to the table a lot of the same things that Brady Manick did coming over from Oklahoma. Brady Manick could shoot that three really well. Pete Nance has the ability to do the same thing. So, very, very similar type of player. Going to have a very similar type of role to what Brady Manick had. And he's going to play well off of the returning guards, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. And I think the biggest reason why Carolina has an opportunity to compete for a championship is because these two guys are back. Yes, Leaky Black is important. Arguably the best defender in the ACC. Armando Baycott is very important as well. Arguably the best big man in the ACC. But the fact that they have Love and Davis back is really the key. Because those two, since they were freshmen, they've grown together. They took their lumps as freshmen in 2020. They came back in 2021, led them to the championship game, but they could not finish the deal. But now they're going for that. Now they're going to win the championship game. Not just get there, but win it. So I love what Carolina has. They have a complete team, really the most complete nucleus in college basketball and one of the most experienced as well. So that's why I have them at number one, just slightly over the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I mean, this is going to be a debate. It's going to be a debate all offseason long. Who should be the number one team? Last year, it was UCLA and Gonzaga. Now it's North Carolina and Gonzaga. So Gonzaga, I have at number two. And they're similar to North Carolina in that they return a lot of their nucleus. They return six of their top eight scores. Now, Drew Timmy and Julian Strother are back. They have returned after entertaining a move to the NBA. Those two guys had very, very big decisions to make. And I think Timmy certainly would have got drafted if he went out. Strother, I really don't think he would have been drafted if he put his name in. I think it's best for him to come back and develop another year. I think Timmy could have been a low second round pick. But I think now that he's coming back for his senior year, he could possibly, potentially be a first round pick next year if he has a great season. Now, the last two years, he's had to play with Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren. But this year, he is going to be the guy. Because their 2022 recruiting class, they don't have any big five stars coming in. So the last two years, it's really been about Suggs and Holmgren. And Timmy's kind of been the second guy on the team. Now he's the true number one guy. So overall, I do feel like him coming back was the right move. And you could even argue with Holmgren alongside him in the front court this season that he was their best player. But all the attention is going to be on him. And now, along with Drew Timmy and Julian Strother coming back, they have added a very, very, very high-profile transfer. And that is SoCon Player of the Year Malachi Smith from Chattanooga. There, he averaged 19 points per game this past season. So expect a big year from him in the backcourt. Now, again, the thing about Gonzaga the last couple of years is they've had great teams. Arguably, they've had the best team in college basketball the last two years, but they haven't won the national championship. And the best team doesn't always win. In 2020, when they were undefeated going into the championship game, they ran into a faster, more energetic Baylor team. Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, all those guys. 
seemed they wanted it a little bit more than Gonzaga, and they were just quicker. They just had more burst. And it was really a backcourt problem outside of Jalen Suggs. Suggs was phenomenal. Nembhard was solid. He wasn't spectacular. Same thing this past year. Nembhard was a good, solid player. Rasir Bolton, good, solid. But uh, nothing outstanding, really, in the backcourt. It was about the frontcourt with Drew Timmy and with Chet Holmgren. But this year, you have Nolan Hickman back as a sophomore. You have Malachi Smith now in the fold. And you have a couple other players there that I think are going to be pretty good on the wing, like Anton Watson. So for Gonzaga, it's been about having multiple explosive guards. They really haven't had that. It was Suggs in 20. Last year, their backcourt was just okay, but Hunter Salas didn't really get in there that much. He's another guy that's a sophomore this year. I think he'll have a better role than he did in 2021. So it's just about having a quicker, more energetic backcourt. Again, Nembhard and Bolton were really good players. But now that you have Hickman along with Smith and Salas, who I would like to see get more minutes, you're going to have at least the second best team in college basketball. Again, maybe the best team in the country. And it would be unprecedented if they were preseason number one team for the third straight year. Because in 2020, they were preseason number one. 2021, preseason number one. And here in 2022, potential preseason number one team in the country. So clearly North Carolina and Gonzaga are head and shoulders above everyone else at one and two. But now let's go over and talk about Houston at number three. The Cougars, they returned backcourt stars Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark, as well as Jamal Shedd. That's three double-digit scores, along with five-star freshman Jarris Walker that Houston will be putting out there on the floor. And Jarris Walker is a guy that we've talked about here on College Sports Today in the past. In one of our Recruits in Focus segments way back, we talked about him. And again, despite the fact that Houston has had an incredible program the last five, six years, they have not been able to land many five-star talents. Jarris Walker is actually the first guy in the Kelvin Sampson era to commit out of high school to Houston. Now, remember, a couple of years ago, they brought in Quentin Grimes, who played two years with the Cougars. He was a transfer from Kansas, and he came out of high school as a five-star, but he didn't commit to Houston out of high school. Jarris Walker commits to the Cougars out of high school. That's a huge, huge breakthrough for them. And again, three double-digit scorers, Mark Sasser and Shedd, to go along with Walker. Now, there is some other surrounding talent, but those guys are the ones you have to watch. And I think Houston is a Final Four favorite. They are a national championship caliber team. But right now, they're not better than Carolina and Gonzaga. Still, Carolina and Gonzaga are the two best, but Houston is right there. Now, at four and five, you have Kentucky and Duke. Two teams that are no stranger to being in this position, having a lofty ranking among the contenders for a national championship. Wildcats return National Player of the Year Oscar Shibway, as well as Xavier Wheeler, Jacob Toppin, C.J. Frederick, and Damian Collins. Along with those guys, you have five-star freshman Kaysen Wallace and Chris Livingston in the fold, along with guard Adu Tierro. Illinois State transfer Antonio Reeves is a guy you want to watch. He's a guy that I really want you to keep your eye on as the season goes on because he's going to provide a lot of shooting, going to provide a lot of outside ability, and I think this nucleus is very, very capable of winning a national championship this year, but it's going to ride on the shoulders of Xavier Wheeler and this backcourt because we know what we're going to get from Shibwe, first returning national player of the year since Tyler Hansborough in 08. 
we know what we're going to get from a guy like C.J. Frederick, who did not play at all last year due to injury. And we know that Jacob Toppin is starting to come into his own. But again, it's really about the backcourt. Wheeler is the true point guard. He's going to have to direct things. Kaysen Wallace is a guy who can play both on the ball and off the ball. Livingston is a small forward who's very versatile. And Tierro probably won't get a whole lot of playing time, but is pretty skilled. So I think this nucleus, again, is capable. But it's about Wheeler really cutting down on turnovers, being consistent with his ball handling, and how good Wallace will be from the jump. So that's what you can expect from Kentucky. Duke, like Kentucky, always very young. But this year, they're younger than maybe they've ever been. Because you look at the amount of freshmen that are coming in. We talked about some of them in segment one. Derek Lively II, Kyle Filipowski, Derek Whitehead, along with Mark Mitchell, Tyrese Proctor, Jaden Shutt, Christian Reeves. This is the freshman class for Duke. Again, all of those guys are going to be on this roster. You have transfers Ryan Young, Max Johns, Jacob Grandison, and Kel Ketchings. Jeremy Roach is coming back. So this is a nucleus that, again, just like we talked about with Kentucky, I think is capable of making a deep tournament run. But you lose Paulo Bancaro, Wendell Moore, Trevor Keels, A.J. Griffin, and Mark Williams. So the question I have is, can Lively and Filipowski, along with a guy like Ryan Young, be as good as Paulo Bancaro and Mark Williams were last year in the front court for Duke? That's what I'm wondering, because if they can, or if they can even be better than that, then Duke just might be cutting down the nets in 2022. But again, super young team. These guys are going to have to develop, but they are more ready than most of the freshmen coming in. I think these guys are ready to come in and win. And Duke is, I think, clearly a top five team in the country. So one through five, very strong there. Again, with Carolina, Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky, and Duke. Six through 10, I have Arkansas, Kansas, Tennessee, UCLA, and TCU. Yes, you heard me right. TCU, I have at number 10. And I'm going to talk about why in a minute. But first, let's start with Arkansas at six. Now, when a team loses most of their core from the previous year, you don't expect them to be this highly ranked. But they're going to be anywhere from, I think, four to six or seven in the preseason poll. And a big reason why is the five-star freshman talent coming in. Nick Smith, we talked about him in the open. Anthony Black, Jordan Walsh, all of these guys play on the perimeter. And I think they're all going to be money for Arkansas. I think they're going to be outstanding. Now, along with those guys, you have transfers like Ricky Council from Wichita State, Jalen Graham from Arizona State, and uh, Makai Mikel Mitchell from Rhode Island. A very intriguing pair of twin big men. Those two guys started their career at Maryland, didn't work out there, then went to Rhode Island, and now they're here at Arkansas, back into the Power Five. I actually uh, scouted those guys back when they were in high school through one of my other media ventures called Hoop Central. Uh, We scout guys, we break down recruits, all of that stuff, and... uh, I looked at those twin big men coming out, and the first thing I thought to myself was, well, they're a little undersized, but they're very, very physical. They can really play bully ball now. And I think that's going to be the biggest, biggest attribute for Arkansas is going to be this year, they're going to be more physical. They weren't as physical on the interior last year. I mean, they had Jalen Williams. He was pretty good. Now off to the NBA, had a great season. But outside of him, they weren't super physical. Now with the Mitchell twins in the fold, they're going to have the ability to do a lot of different things. 
Jalen Graham coming over from AZ State, very good. Ricky Council from Wichita State is also strong. So a good transfer haul. You have great freshmen, and Devontae Davis is back. He is also going to be a big piece there on the perimeter as well. So I think Arkansas is also a Final Four caliber team, as is Kansas. Kansas won the national championship last season, obviously, and had an incredible team. But they do not return much from that team. Ochai Abaji's gone. Christian Brown is gone. David McCormick is gone. But they do return Jalen Wilson, as well as Dewan Harris and Joseph Yusefu. Along with those, you have freshman five stars Grady Dick, MJ Rice, and Ernest Uday. And a transfer that is going to have a big, big impact on this team is Kevin McCullough from Texas Tech. Kevin McCullough is a guy that plays a lot of small forward. I mean, he has that prototypical small forward size, but he's really physical and he can play like a power forward. So I really think he's a unique blend of a three and a four man. And staying in the Big 12 to play with Kansas, I think he has a great chance to not only start on this team, which I think is pretty obvious that he's going to be in the starting five, but also become an all Big 12 type of player. I mean, I think he played that way at Texas Tech, and I think he's going to bring that to Kansas. And then you have a guy like MJ Rice, versatile wing. Grady Dick is another guy who can play on the perimeter, and Ernest Uday is also very skilled. So I like Kansas. Tennessee, like Kansas, they have some guys coming back, some guys aren't. Returning, you have Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan-James, along with incoming five-star freshman Julian Phillips. Now they lose star point guard Kennedy Chandler, who was a freshman this past year, and Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, who was also a highly touted big man coming out, transferred to Louisville after one season there at Tennessee. So while Tennessee, I don't think, has a Final Four nucleus, I think they're an Elite Eight team because I don't think this year will have as much parity as last year. I mean, there's always parity in men's college basketball, but there won't be as much as there was last year where, you know, eight, 10 teams could have went to the final four. I think this year there is Gonzaga, North Carolina, Houston, Kentucky, Duke. Maybe you throw Arkansas in there, but you know, Kansas, I like them. I don't love them. Tennessee, I like them. I don't love them. They're a good, solid team. But Vescovy has experience. Josiah Jordan-James is a senior, so I think he's going to be pretty good. So I like their team, but it's going to be about the development of a Julian Phillips and if they can get more on the interior because clearly that's the weak link of their team is inside play. And now at 9-10, and 10, UCLA and TCU. First UCLA, remember last year, they started the season as the number two team in the country. Eventually got bounced in the Sweet 16 by North Carolina, but returning, you have Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell. You have incoming five-star freshman Adam Bona and Amari Bailey, among others as well. This is going to be a deep team. This is going to be a very, very good team, in fact, at UCLA. And again, the fact that Johnny Juzang is gone is very important because he was initiating a lot of offense for them. And he was really their lead guard and really could play point and shooting but he really led the ball up the floor and really created a lot of offense for them. Now that's going to be up to Tiger Campbell even more, Jaime Jaquez. Obviously, the freshmen are going to have to grow and come into their own, but Amari Bailey is a guy that has been very highly touted coming out of high school and obviously playing at Sierra Canyon, powerhouse program in California, playing with Bronny James. He's been very hyped up. 
there's been a lot of coverage around him. So I think if he can develop and not really become a distraction for them as far as media attention, all that stuff, he could be very, very good for them. And he could very well be the X factor for them this season because clearly he's not going to be their best player right away. But over time, if he can develop that three-point shot and be that true two guard, which I think he's more of a two than anything else, he could be the X factor and could be the difference for them this year. So that's UCLA. And now let's talk about TCU. Yes, I have TCU here in my preseason top 10. And I'm going to tell you why. Continuity. Continuity in college basketball is the ingredient to success. Look at the recent national champions and everything that they've had on their roster. It's not a bunch of five-star freshmen top 10 players. It's experience. It's guys that have been through it and done it. And TCU has a nucleus that last year went to the NCAA tournament and lost to Arizona in controversial fashion. And that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother show. But they lost. Very well could have won. Should have won the game against Arizona in the tournament. But I think that's going to motivate them even more for this year. Because they their whole returning core is back. Mike Miles, 15 points per game he averaged last year. Clearly their number one guy. Damian Baugh came over from Memphis, averaged 10 a game. Charles O'Bannon Jr., Eddie Lampkin, Emmanuel Miller, Micah Peavy. All these guys are back and ready to go. So again, when you have like your whole starting five coming back and you have bench guys, core guys, glue guys that can produce also coming back, you are a top 10 team in the country. And I think I am bigger on TCU right now than most. I mean, CBS Sports has them just outside the top 10. Sports Illustrated has them just inside the top 20 at number 19. I think they should get more respect than that, clearly. And again, this is a program that under Jamie Dixon has not always played well. But again, much like we've talked about with Kelvin Sampson at Houston, when you give a guy time to recruit, when you give a guy time to get a core going and build a team the way he wants to build it, the results will come through in the end. It's not going to be in one year, two years. You know, I get it. You know, schools are impatient. They want success right away. But the reality is, a coach has to come in and build the culture, build the program, bring guys in that are going to buy into what he wants to do. And that's what they have going right now at TCU. So clearly, the best team coming back that they've had in quite a long time, and they surprised many people. They surprised so many people last year by going to the NCAA tournament and even just, just being there was an accomplishment. But for them to do what they did, you know, win 20 games, and make it to the big dance and almost win against Arizona. That was very, very impressive. So I love what they have. I think they're in the mix for a Big 12 title this year. Because think about the Big 12. You know, Baylor's there. I think they're a fringe top 10 team. I think Kansas obviously should be viewed as the favorite coming in. But TCU has a legit shot. I think they're at least the third best team, if not the second best team in the Big 12 behind Kansas. So that is our college sports today, men's college basketball preseason top 10 ranking. And again, we're going to have more of these coming up. Next week, we're going to talk all about women's college basketball as we're going to talk about the top five freshmen coming in, our preseason top 10 teams there. And all of this 
All of this has been so enjoyable for us here on episode 34 of College Sports Today. And as always, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen and join us here today. And we want to give a special thanks to everybody at Lenoran University, the College of Fine Arts and Communications, and WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening.